So there I was. I was in, how many of you been to old Mexico, huh? Raise your hands. Too many gringos in the house. So we were in old Mexico, me and my friend Mario, and we were uh, helping establish the work of God there in Oaxaca. This was like a week ago. And I only worked two years in a Mexican kitchen, and I slept in Spanish class in high school. So honestly, I only understand about half of what they're saying. And so they're speaking, and you know what's really, really funny? Mario's here today, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him on blast, but Mario's my interpreter. Over 15 times on the trip, Mario would look at me and interpret in Spanish to me. <laughs> like, they would speak, and then he would talk to me in Spanish, and I'd be like, that helps. But no, he's a great interpreter. He's a, he's a great man of God. He's just expecting me to walk in another level of faith, Amen. And so, uh, and so I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. But So we're in Mexico, and we, you know, we're helping the churches, we're, we're building them up, we're teaching discipleship classes. I'm like, this is great, I'm excited. And they're like, Pastor Kyle, uh, get in the truck. And I'm like, okay, so we get in the truck, and then they tell us that we're going to go to this place called Central de Basto. And I'm like, I have no idea where we're going. And I get about, and all the guys in the back of the truck, they don't really speak Spanish. Uh, uh, English, so I'm just kind of talking with them, and I realize they're kind of getting a little fearful because I realize that we are going to the drug den of Oaxaca. We are going basically to Skid Row. We're going to a place that's just like you, you don't go there, and gringos don't go there, and, and gringos with giant red beards don't go there. And so everyone is like a little getting a little nervous, and I'm like, okay, here we are, Lord help us. And so we get there, and I'm like praying. I'm like, hey, we're going to minister. We're going to share the faith. I'm like, okay, awesome. And, and we get there, and the first thing I see when we get there, there's a man Who's, isn't this true, Mario? We, 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 we get out of the truck, and the first thing we see is a guy, he's passed out on the corner. He has a knife in his hand, and he's just passed out with a knife in your hand. And that was like, welcome. Or in the words of the Spanish, bienvenidos. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, and so what happens? I'm going to tell you. Doubt, uncertainty, fear. The same things that plague all of us, doubt, uncertainty, fear. And I just said, God, help me. Fill my heart with love. And then we turn the corner and I see it. There it is. 200 people all, in, all laying down, all doing drugs right there in front of you. Crack, cocaine, heroin, meth, all of it. They're all doing it. And I, I saw the pastor just lead the charge. Pastor Vega his wonderful heart full of courage. He just walks in and he says, welcome. And they set up a table in the presence of the church's so-called enemies. He gets a five-gallon uh, igloo full of coffee. And, you know, because church is always better with coffee. Amen. Then he gets bag after bag of concha. You know what that is? Those are those sweet, exactly, gringos, sweet breads. <laughs> Breakfast tacos, they're good. Sweet breads. El pan del Dios, the bread of heaven. I'm telling you. And it was just, and all of a sudden, everybody's getting in line. Everyone's coming. Everyone's like, uh, they're all coming. They're all there. There's a huge line of them. And then they're like, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is incredible. And then he's like, Pastor Kyle, would you, would you preach? 
I would say I had a great heart full of courage. But I didn't. I just said, God, would you fill my heart with love? God, I have eyes that are seeing things, but I need your eyes to see your things. God, faith works by love. I have no love right now. Fill my heart with love. God, you shed your love abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Help me one more time, God. One more time would you come. And what did we do? We began to uplift the gospel of the kingdom of God. We lifted up our voices and we declared to the people that light has shined in the darkness. And you know what happened? We began to talk about the blood of Jesus, that you could have a new start and a new life. We began to talk about the cross of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. We began to talk about that you could have a new start, just like I got a new start, just like as I threw my drugs in the dumpster. Don't get so religious. Don't get so high and mighty. You can have a testimony because God can transform any life. And so we, we begin to talk about the light shining in the darkness, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the resurrection. Because I live, you can live also. And you know what happened? Exactly what's supposed to happen. Hearts became tender to the things of God. That the gospel still works. The gospel has power. And I'll never forget one Mexican came up to us and goes, I cannot believe a church has come to this place. I cannot believe a church has come here to us, to this place. When has the church stopped going to the dark places? When has the church stopped being aggressive and started being defensive? When did we start being, oh, come and, and come inside and we stopped going out to the highways and the hedges and compelling people to come in? If we lose this, we lose the gospel. If we lose the not leaving the 99 for the one, we miss the message. This morning we're talking about what does it mean to be a kingdom builder? And how God's going to build his kingdom in your life and through your life. And it starts with the heart of God. The heart of God. Just as the way that those parents looked at all those precious children. And they have dreams. And they have visions for their life. And they have prayers and sacrifice. That's the heart of God for people. That's the same mind. That's the same mind that God has for people. He has dreams and he has visions for their life. He never wanted them to be in bondage or addicted to drugs or in great, great poverty or in great afflictions. The Bible says, I know the dreams I have for you. Dreams for your good, for your blessing, for your well. We start off by being kingdom builders because we move from a self-centered focus to a God-centered focus. And the only way we can do that is through prayer. That's the only way it happens. It's through prayer. You see, it was through prayer. I, I didn't have any words. I didn't have any encouragement. I didn't have any zeal. I didn't have any things to say. I didn't have any message. But I said, God, use me, help me, shape me. Let me see through your eyes. I have no, no passion. I have no emotion here. Uh, God, but God, you do. You see, prayer is how we shift. Notice the disciples. 
they have this understanding. They get so many things wrong, don't they? How many of you are just binge-watching The Chosen right now? I am. It's like the only time I ever, I'm not feeling guilty about like, do I continue watching? Well, yes. I don't feel guilty about binge-watching The Chosen. It's like the only one I can keep watching, continue watching. I'm on it. So I see the disciples and I see how they're interacting with Jesus and they just make mistake after mistake. They make, uh, they're just, they're just over and over again, they're making mistakes. But the one thing those guys got right is what? Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, I would have said, Lord, teach me to preach. Some of you are like, amen, I wish Jesus would. Lord, teach us to heal. I mean, when you, when you pray for the sick over and over again, you're like, what's wrong with my hand? Why isn't this working? Like, you understand, like, you would, pray, you would ask Jesus to teach you to heal. You would ask Jesus to teach you to preach. I know you would because I would. But the disciples were smart enough to say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And he did. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you catch that part? That the kingdom comes. We are to pray that the kingdom of God would come upon the earth. And it comes through your life, through your yes, through your amen, through your activity, through your finances, that's how the kingdom of God is coming upon the earth. It is through the Holy Spirit-inspired church. Yes. And we miss that. We, we just think that it's going to happen. But it's through you. I was on the plane and I was saying, Lord Jesus, I just, this because it was so pure. Those people are so pure. Their motivations, their hearts for the, for the lost, it's just a, a pure part of the gospel. It hasn't been corrupted with all of the things that attack the American church. There's a purity there that I saw it. And I said, God, how do we get the American church back to the acts of the apostles? Lord, how do I get my heart back to the acts of the apostles? And the Holy Spirit was like, act like it. That hurt. The Holy Spirit's a really good shot, by the way. Act like it. If you want the acts of the apostles, act like it. That's heart surrendered, devoted, fully committed, in unity, in sacrifice, in generosity, all to Jesus, all surrendered. So turn to your text. I'm supposed to have a text. I just started preaching. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. Lord, as we open this text, open our eyes. That we be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Lord, that we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And Lord, that I could just be a steward a steward, God, nothing more than a steward to minister the oracles of God, that what I say, you would say through me. Help me, God. Amen. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. What we have here is we have Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles helping one church model after another church's generosity. So he's, he's inspiring them to excel in the grace of giving, the grace of generosity. And here we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're new to church this morning, 2 Corinthians is a book in the New Testament. It's in the middle of the New Testament in the back half of the book. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and, and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. He's speaking about the grace of giving. The grace of generosity that we abound. He's challenging the church to abound in the grace of giving. Abound in the grace of generosity. Now, what do we find here? It says in faith. Are we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. We're to, be, we're to be faith-filled people. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, say to be examples in speech. Let, let the sake of the gospel. Can a, can a well spring forth both fresh water and good water? Life and death and the power of our tongue. We know the scriptures regarding our speech. We know them regarding our faith. What about our, should we have knowledge? Yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We are to have, uh, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who's not ashamed, but who can rightly handle the truth. Are we to be diligent? Yes. We're to be to the most committed, the most diligent. Are we to have love? Yes. Let our hearts be overflowing with love. But notice this. It's not just faith. It's not just speech. It's not just knowledge. It's not just diligence. It's not just love. There's something missing. Abound in the grace of generosity also. When I was a young Christian, I made this mistake. I was like, I have faith. I was diligent. I was memorizing the Bible. I was memorizing spiritual knowledge. I would serve. I would clean up. I would stack chairs. But I left my wallet in the car when I came to church. I'm just being vulnerable. I was a banker's son, and it was hard for me. to. I was like, wait a second. No, that's, a, that's an area of my life that, you know what, Jesus? Uh, yes, come into my speech. Come into my knowledge. Come into my service. Lord, let me excel in my love and my, my, my commitment. Let me excel in my speech and my knowledge. But I had kept them out. 
I had to realize that it was the grace of God which taught me to be generous. Most people, they have a view of grace, and it's like a safety net. It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like something that's going to cover like a, like a sin or a trespass. The biblical view of grace is grace is a teacher. Paul says in Titus that it's the grace of God that brings salvation, teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Grace is our teacher, and grace teaches us generosity. Grace teaches us to be generous, not just to our ability, but what we learn from this text, they were going above and beyond their ability. That they were growing in the grace of generosity. They were growing in, in, in this wonderful knowledge of God. So from this passage, we learn three simple things. They prayed. They prayed, they planned, and they dreamed. Why did they pray? Oh, because how we need to pray. How we need to pray. The one thing that keeps us from prayer is pride. The one thing that keeps us from prayer is pride. Pride says, I've got this. I understand. I don't have any need of you. I don't have any wants or desires for you to help. I understand what to do. I know what to do. But it's a humble man that God looks to. The Bible says that God looks to those who tremble at his word. I'm so grateful that the man who discipled me, he didn't teach me all the wonders of the spiritual truths of the scriptures, but he did teach me to pray. The half of his lessons, he would just shake and search himself, humble himself. Lord, teach us to pray. It's through prayer that we get a glimpse of the heart of God. Most people, they do this. They present their plans to God. Don't they? This is my life. This is my plans. God, you want to bless it? I want to marry him. I want to marry her. We do that, don't we? We go to God with our plans and our dreams, and we say, God, would you bless what I've planned? Dear friends, go to God. Go to God and say, God, what's your dream? What's your plan? And what, and what happens is that God will give you a burden. And with a burden comes a revelation. The scriptures say over and over again that the word of the Lord came unto and the burden of the Lord came unto. That God doesn't give a revelation without an impartation of burden. God never gives a dream and a vision without you getting a window into his pain over the lost world. And in prayer, we open up our hearts to God. And God begins to reveal our motivations and the intentions of our hearts. That's why a, a, a humble person will always pray. But a proud heart will never pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. What are we to pray for? I'm reminded in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. 
You want me to get spicy? All right, you said it. Eight hours a day. Average screen time is eight hours a day. Is this redeemable? You don't think? Is this redeemable? I think it could be redeemable. What if we set an alarm? What if we set an alarm on our phones? Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, pray for the Lord to send out laborers. What if we set an alarm on our phone at 10.02 every day? And every day we were reminded to pray for laborers. You know, so we're to, we're to pray as kingdom builders. We're to plan as kingdom builders and we're to dream. This moves into the plan start. You know, Pastor John, he's so helpful in my life because he's taught me over and over again, Kyle, if it's important to you, put a mechanism in place. If it's important, put a mechanism in place. This helps discipline our lives and set them in the proper order. And this is very helpful for me because my wife will tell you, she's sitting over there, I am not a planner. We're all planners in here. Is there any non-planners? You're ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. The wind blows where it wants. I've only planned one vacation ever. It was like the best week of my wife's life. I'm not a planner, but if it's important to you, what do you do? You put a mechanism in place. That means if praying for the harvest is important, you put a mechanism in place. So on your phones, you're going to set an alarm for 10.02. And as a church, corporately, across all nine campuses, we are going to be praying for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. And what do you think is going to happen? We're going to get some laborers because our hearts are going to be joined together in prayer. We're not going to be saying, God, can, can you bless our work? But can, We're going to be saying, God, can we bless and bring in laborers for your work? For you're the Lord of the harvest. And watch what happens. Watch what happens that when we pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, there will be laborers. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks finds. And we're asking God for what he asked and commanded us to do. Won't he be able to perform it? That's what it means to be a kingdom builder, is to align our hearts with kingdom prayers. So we pray. We also plan. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first, not leftovers, not afterthoughts. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things that we're worried about, they're added to us. All the things that we're so concerned about, houses and jobs and finances and careers and prominence and accolades, you seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. For Jesus tells us no man who leaves houses, families, mothers will not receive in this life tenfold. That's what he says. That's the promise. But we have to plan. And we have to get on our knees and say, God, what's your plan? What's your plan? Would you help me? And we speak to God in a humble heart and a receiving mind. And God begins to do kingdom work through us. What a privilege. But take heed. Watch out. Beware of covetousness. For your life does not consist in the abundance of the things you possess. Your life is not your possessions. 
It does not rise and fall with your socioeconomic status. I'm talking about a real life, a true life, an inner life. A spiritual life, an abundant life, something that no man can take from you. No man can take that from you. You don't understand. Let me explain it to you. During the Civil War, the great war between the Union and the Confederacy, the the Union realized that they were going to win. But you remember the war was being fought in the South. So to do commerce and to buy things in the community, they were using Confederate currency. There was an abundance of Confederate rebel currency. And so when they realized that they were going to win the war, what did they do as fast as they could do it? They started exchanging their currency for for American dollars, for cattle, for silver, and for gold, something that had value after the war. Hear me now. Jesus Christ is winning the war. He's winning the war. Through the cross of Christ, he has declared victory, and now he is sending us out as messengers to every tribe, tongue, and nation to declare his victory. And you have to exchange your currency. You have to take it from this earthly currency and turn it into heavenly currency. You have to exchange it. That's how this only way this is going to work. Lay not up for yourself treasure on earth, earthly currency, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where no one can steal it, where it can't be corrupted, where it can't be lost or stolen. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how glad I will be If the lamp of my body has been burned out for thee. I read that in a small little shack in a jungle in Costa Rica. Speaking of a a woman named Anna who was a successful business owner. She left her business at 60 years old and she went into the jungle. She went into the village of the darkest part of the jungle. We're talking about nowheres, nowheres, nowhere. To give give her life to medical missions. I wonder if she's still there. I wonder if they put her in the ground already. She burned her life out for God. She was a kingdom builder. She prayed. She planned. And she dreamed. In fact, it came to her in a dream. Jesus of Nazareth came to her in a dream and told her what, exactly what to do. She sold everything she had and she did it. What is your dream? What is your dream? You see, to be, I want you to understand something. Kingdom builders is not saying this. It's not saying, hey, would you help us accomplish our dream as a church? That's not what kingdom builder is. If you've heard that, it's wrong. It's that how can we as pastors and leaders of a church equip you and empower you for your dream? For what God's called you to do. God has a calling on your life. God has a dream for you, and we want to equip you for your ministry, for your calling. I'm reminded of a man who used to be the head usher in our church. Every Sunday, he would set up and tear down, and he would help us. And you know what? God called him to the nations. He sold everything he had to go to the nations. And now this year, we're celebrating his kingdom project. So it's his idea. It's his dream that the Lord gave him. You see this? It's different 
It's when the people of God do the work of God, we'll see the move of God. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah. You, you do not exist as cogs in this ministerial machine. You and every one of you have a part to play as kingdom builders. God gave a vision and a burden to Nehemiah. He saw the condition of Israel that it was broken down and he was grieved and he was burdened. And he didn't criticize, but in agony, he spoke. And then he was given supernatural provision from a, a foreign kingdom. And he began to rebuild the wall. He began to rebuild the kingdom. And not only did he begin to rebuild, he mobilized. He empowered. He said, this group, take this, this family group, take this section of the wall. This family group, take this section of the wall. Let us all work together. And by all of them pooling their resources and working together, the wall was rebuilt and the kingdom was secure. This is the heart of what it means to be a kingdom builder. It's to have the heart of God, a heart of agony for the lost world. It is to strategize and equip and empower people for their section of the wall, for their section of their responsibility for the kingdom. And then it's to mobilize, not to criticize, but to mobilize and empower. That is what it means to be a kingdom builder. That is what it means to pray, to plan, and to dream. In prayer, I heard the Lord say, there will be some who will create orphanages. There will be some who will create women's centers to take care of babies. There will be some who will start hospitals. Some who will develop printing shops for materials. Some will drill wells in their companies. Some will create business apart, upon business upon businesses for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I know when I started 15 years ago, my dream was too small. I could have never received all of this wonderful things that God has done. We must make sure that the dream and the vision that we receive is from the Lord. And His visions are always greater. His dreams are always greater. But we come to Him with hearing ears and open hands.